embrace technology, but also don't chase the apps where we have a lot of parents who will message us asking, hey, what's the most dangerous, worst app out there? And reality is there isn't any one necessarily evil, bad app. Like anything, you could use email for good or bad. And when email first started, we saw people using email for not so good things. So it's mm -hmm. not the app. It's how the app is being used. And you, your experience as an individual, a parent who was once a young person, use your experience. And if your child's doing something that gives you concern, investigate. It's not the app. It's how it's being used. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges we face. People want to paint that an app as in a bad color. Like, that's the bad app. Avoid that app. Well, I mean... People talk about TikTok being a bad app. And I mean, I see some pretty awesome, cool things on TikTok. Mm -hmm. But it has some concerns. Welcome, guestless small parents out there. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Today, I am joined by a really cool guest. I'm super excited to have him here with us. His name is Brandon Lore, and he is the White Hatter. So um, what does that mean? Well, we're going to be talking about all sorts of really cool uh, internet safety things. He's not a black hatter or hacker. He's the White Hatter, which is the good guys in the internet space, right? So uh, Brandon and his company has uh, earned all sorts of awards in the cyberspace, um, cyber security space, uh, all sorts of government awards, all sorts of really cool things. Uh, Brendan's got tons of experience in really making, you know, helping kids and parents learn how to use digital technology, how to use social media, how to be aware of things, how to be secure online and safe online as well. And Brendan, I know we'll talk about this in a second, but I think you guys go on to tons of schools and do a lot of, you know, workshops and things in schools as well as online programs. So welcome, Brendan. I'm so happy to have you with us. Thank you for uh, having me on your show. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Yeah. So today we're talking about keeping parents, uh, helping parents keep kids safe. I think it's true, keeping the parents safe online, <laughs> helping parents keep their kids safe online. And, you know, it's one of those things that my kids are still really young and it wasn't really something that was thinking about social media and having to think about, you know, what to do, what not to do online with my kids yet. But since the pandemic hit, they're now using some social media apps to keep in touch with their friends. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know what to do. So this is perfect timing for me, selfishly, but also for all the parents out there that have kids that are now using social technology like way more, way earlier than we thought. So I'd love to just dive into that a little bit. Brendan, first of all, tell us a little bit about your, your company and, and what you guys do. Yeah, my, my pleasure. Um, I mean, we, we do a we do a lot of stuff. So uh, yeah, we're called the White Hatter, which uh, in the internet security world uh, stands for White Hat Hacker, uh, which stands for you know hackers who who use hacking techniques, but to find issues before the bad guys, usually called the black hatters, get a chance to get access. So we've taken that sort of philosophy and idea of the white hat hacker and expanded it to uh, to mean safety online in the global sense and that's what we stand for and we specialize with students and parents to help keeping them safe and uh, yeah we travel all throughout north america now it's all virtual but yeah we're mostly normal traveling uh, throughout north america uh talking to students i mean i think to date we have presented to 490,000 students from across north yeah. america teaching them how to stay safe and thousands of parents as well uh that's mm -hmm. our passion and that's our goal and i mean 
given the current world events, uh, it's all now virtual here in our virtual studio, which uh, mm -hmm. we're proud to actually have this opportunity mm -hmm. to connect to students from across North America virtually. So um, we're thankful for that. The White Hat Hatter, it's, uh, it's a name that kind of started from the kids themselves, which is very interesting mm -hmm. uh, because we would actually uh, travel to schools and be, we're wearing you know, a suit and tie. We'd actually be wearing uh, white hats. <laughs> we actually have white hats that we would wear. And, uh, and the kids, uh, they, they never remember our names, which is interesting, all right? Mm -hmm. Whenever we leave a school, they always refer to us as, as that, that white hat person. And uh, so the white, the term the white hatter actually came from uh, from students, uh, which is actually a great kind of, uh, kind of story. So I guess that's kind of why I'm here with you this uh, this afternoon to uh, discuss some of the questions you have about how to keep kids uh, keep kids safe and what we we see because we're also uh, licensed private investigators. So we mm -hmm. actually do online investigations for schools sometimes uh, when situations really can devolve on the internet. Mm -hmm. So uh, we bring that experience from research, academia, former law enforcement and online investigators, which is kind of our unique package we offer in terms of how we help people stay safe. Wow, that's really cool. And I love how you guys come from all sorts of different angles, right? Keeping the kids safe, helping the parents safe, but also help investigate some of the cyber crimes that are going on in, um, you know, in our world today. So that's really cool. I love your guys' perspective on things is so, so unique. So um, I would just love to just dive in with like what help us like what, help us for our parents we don't know what to do where do we even start with social media like when um you know kids are exposed to it now so we're so young yeah. and it's like how do we manage that what are some good tips for us yeah i mean i get asked all the time by parents you know when's the best time to allow your kid to have a social network and mm -hmm. and the honest answer is there is no set age i can be honest in terms of i've seen some kids in elementary school who are doing such awesome amazing fantastic stuff online and mm -hmm. i think we as adults should really you know curate that and grow that passion on the other side uh in the white hatter team we've met some some older teens who should not be on the internet for what they're doing. So I think this whole uh, idea people have around like what age is the right age, that doesn't, that's the wrong way of thinking. It's more about the maturity level, uh, the experience level and the knowledge level and the comfort level of the youth, the child, mm -hmm. in terms of when it's okay for you to let them online. And just because you let them online, you let them have social networking, it doesn't mean it's, it's free range. And that's one of the challenges uh, we face from a safety perspective, because uh, mm -hmm. some families uh, have sort of like a free range movement where basically they give a child the Internet and it's, you know, do whatever you want with that without any uh, scaffolding in place. And mm -hmm. the analogy that we often use is, uh, would you give your teenager uh, who has no driver training, no license, the keys to your brand new car and let them go mm -hmm. have fun on the highway? I mean, no, I mean, there, there's reasons why we have scaffolding in place for parents. And uh, that's kind of what we help provide parents through our online training. And when we go to schools is, mm -hmm. How do you kind of build that scaffolding and what's the appropriate mm -hmm. level of monitoring or filtering or control that you give? And it, there is no clear cut answer. Uh, if there yeah. was, uh, I, I wouldn't be here because we would have the answer already. I could tell you the answer and problem solved. Online parenting, done. But it, it, like anything else with you know, social yeah. interaction, <laughs> it's, um, it's complicated. And mm -hmm. 
that's my background in, in research and sociology and human interaction online. That's where I come from. And I can tell you, humans are wonderfully complex individuals, and <laughs> uh, which sometimes in parenting, especially online, a challenge, especially when you have what's known as that digital divide, where mm -hmm. you have parents who aren't necessarily as tech savvy as their kids. So mm -hmm. it's, it's harder for parents to figure out how do they implement controls or filtering or monitoring and proper supervision and scaffolding when they don't even know how to connect to their TV box, right? So uh, those are all challenges that we face. And uh, that's why I'm glad to be here and answer any of your questions and questions from your audience in terms of uh, what we can do to help. Absolutely. And they're real, like they're real challenges. I mean, I, we consider ourselves a pretty tech savvy family where we have like the devices shut off and turn on at certain times. We have certain parameters set yet. My son was still able to somehow figure out how to turn those off without us knowing. And I was like, holy smokes, like he's only seven and he's already doing things like that. So um, yeah, I love how you said that it's not like an all or nothing kind of conversation. And it's like, we know like there's so many great benefits to having exposure to the internet and, and social networking and things. But I mean, I personally am glad I did not have Facebook when I was going through my teens in college. <laughs> and, but I think, you know, now going into it, having kids that will have that experience, I think we can help prepare them a little bit better for things that you don't do online, things you don't say online, things that, you know, employers are looking at their mm. social media and things like that. So I think there's all sorts of things now that people are a little bit more savvy <laughs> when it comes to that. But what are some things that we can do say our, our kids are just starting to dabble or, you know, want kids messenger or they have YouTube kids or, you know, what are some things that we can, what some, some guidelines we can start with? Yeah, no, totally. I think uh, family guidelines are kind of the best tool any family can implement, having some rules and procedures and how you can use technology and the internet in mm -hmm. the household is the most important. And like mm -hmm. you said, I mean, families that implement third-party tools to monitor and filter, I mean, those are just tools. There mm -hmm. is absolutely no tool out there that will 100% keep your child safe online. If it existed, mm -hmm. I would have made it. I'd be a billionaire by now. <laughs> right? So it doesn't exist. They're tools. I mean, they have their pros and cons. And each tool has, has weaknesses and strengths. And uh, sometimes we help parents, you know, figure out what tools are the best tool for the situation. Uh, mm -hmm. But don't think that just because you install this third-party tool that you spend five bucks a month on to help monitor and filter your child, that they will be 100% safe. That is false. It's so... When it comes to policies, I think uh, it comes in this perspective of how you approach it. And I think a lot of parents come in this realm from fear, where they're scared about uh, who's online, who their kids are talking to. And honestly, most people on the internet are like you and I. We are awesome, wonderful people. We have absolutely no intention to hurt anyone else. And, and that's reality. And as online investigators, uh, we sometimes see the worst of things that can happen on the internet. But I am proud to say I see way more good things than I do bad things. It's like everything else on the world. And we, we call it, um, a sociologist a couple of years ago called it the on-life world, where there's, yeah. there really isn't a difference between the online world and the offline world with today's youth. It's just one world. 
uh, where mm-hmm. parents still come from the perspective of there's online, there's offline, and they're separate. And mm-hmm. now they're, they're intertwined now. So coming from it more empowered, I think when we have parents attend our sessions, it's about empowering parents and not necessarily scaring them because um, that doesn't work. That doesn't fix anything. Mm-hmm. And coming from it from a place of empowerment is really important. Yeah, because I can see if you're, if you're coming from the, the the fear standpoint, then it would just make us want to shut off everything and close them off from that whole world, right? Uh, coming from fear, which is actually probably going to do just as much damage, if not more, than than, than not allowing some sort of free, some sort of you know access to to the world of wide web. <laughs> I'm sure they're going to need it for school projects and stuff too, right? <laughs> your business is the internet, especially right now nowadays, yes. right? Everything's online, and mm-hmm. and we believe having those skills and tools to to have kids go online. And we actually encourage kids when we present to kids at mm-hmm. schools virtually or in person. We mm-hmm. actually encourage kids to go online but in a safe and appropriate way because we want them to learn those skills, the tools and knowledge for the jobs of the future. And that's where the world's going. So again, it's also empowering parents, but also the students and having parents understand most kids and most people, your kids talk to online are actually really nice people. Now that being said, we naturally, we have to talk about some of the concerning things that happen but like mm-hmm. anything else in the world, there's a reason why we teach kids look both ways before we cross the street. Don't right? talk to strangers. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, the stranger thing, you know, stranger danger um, is, is, is a bit of a fallacy because um, I have, I have, I would honestly call friends online. I have friends online that I've never met in person, but they mm-hmm. are some of the most trusted people that I talk to online. And I think, again, that, that perspective of the on-life world, it's, it's one world. And you are going to meet people at a grocery store, at the mm-hmm. mall, online, that, uh, that, you, that are just people you just come across. I mean, if you play online games, chances are uh, you'll be playing a game with 30, 60 people every 15 minutes. That's a lot of social interaction. And most mm-hmm. of those people are actually really nice, awesome individuals but it's again not treating uh, technology like necessarily candy let's say and i think that's mm-hmm. one of the issues where families will give uh tech to their children and that's they use it as more of a as, as a pacifier per se where mm-hmm. all they do is they use it to kind of oh i need some time alone do some dishes let my kids be quiet here's a tablet here's a game just be quiet for an hour or two and they use it like like candy and or sweets mm-hmm. and and we think treating it like that where some I'm, most families from my experience don't give kids 100% unlimited access to ice cream all day long. Mm-hmm. Right? There's reasons we don't do that. I'm assuming that, I mean, most families I've come across don't do that. So I think treating technology the same way, you know, we want them to go online. We want them to have these skills. We want them to create uh, social media profiles when they're older, uh, especially for older teens. When we work with older teens, teaching them, you know, how about we leverage technology to show the world how awesome you are. So when you go for those jobs, those scholarships, those opportunities that when people mm-hmm. look at you, first thing people do, what do they do? They Google your name. So mm-hmm. how can we teach kids? And we do that. How do we teach older teens to leverage the internet so you own the first page of Google? So when someone looks at you, they see the best of you. And you can basically influence people's perceptions of you before you first meet them face to face. 
So mm-hmm. I think that's that's where we're going as well in the White Hatter, where we started mm-hmm. off talking all about safety, but we're now mm-hmm. seeing that because we presented so many students now, that now let's teach those students how to leverage the internet, how to create those awesome professional profiles to show the world how awesome you are. Because if I'm an employer and I'm looking at two people's applications, they both have straight A's, they're both doing awesome things, but one person has a personal amazing website showcasing through video all those awesome things they're doing Mm -hmm. we're human and we're going to have different impressions on who we prefer yeah that's amazing and i love that looking at you know the good things that come out of it you know even just during the the pandemic we've had in the last few months you know being shut off from social i think the kids have really craved like you know that social interaction so you know my son's learned all sorts of new technology all sorts of new new things that you know his typing has gotten really good because he's messaging the his you know his cousins and his friend on you know on um kids messenger or you know i think the typing has gotten good um he's started creating movies and iMovie to give us gifts for father's day mother's day and presents which i think that's kind of cool too so there's been some really great things about it one thing i have noticed though like seems like the longer and then this might just be our own family thing, but uh, I'm sure other people have experienced this as well. The longer they're on technology, the harder it is to get them off of it. It's like, it seems like there's a bit of an addiction there. Is Do you have any advice for people that are starting to see those kind of like addictive behaviors with their kids? That is a very interesting topic. And I think we actually do uh, the webinars on that, on that topic point. And mm-hmm. I think the, the word addiction, I hear that all the time on social media. And I think... Mm-hmm. I know what people mean when they say that, but mm-hmm. when you actually look at the, the clinical usage of the word, it's, mm-hmm. it's not at that level. I think uh, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, a good example. we actually, uh, we, we do uh, weekly YouTube videos and we just did a, an interview with, uh, with an author and researcher of a wonderful book, book called Moral Combat. Uh, it's a play on the words from a video game. And he's a researcher on video games. And what he said on the interview the other day was, Using a, the word addiction to talk about gaming or the internet, mm-hmm. would a parent who has a child who's addicted to, say, an illicit drug, we'll say mm-hmm. cocaine or heroin, do parents usually, would, would they say that same thing in, in that same context? Like, oh, yeah, my kid's addicted to heroin. I People mm-hmm. don't treat it that way. So, right. um, but that being said, there's definitely overconsumption issues. And mm-hmm. And I think and maybe that, there needs to be a new word developed for that 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 line before it's the real addiction, but it's like definitely the overconsumption area. Yeah. <laughs> right now in research, because that's my background, is mm-hmm. it's looking at yeah, overconsumption and also um, uh, online problematic behavior. Mm-hmm. So basically what it means is if you're doing something online, be it spending all your money in gaming, uh, loot boxes, gambling, or just consumed with the time. If something is impacting you in a negative way, then it's a problem. <laughs> Not quite at the level of, a, of addiction. And there's huge debates going on right now in research about that, if there is a true thing as online addiction. And there's debates that, I mean, that could take us a whole hour talking about, but that's going cool. <laughs> yeah. to go into that debate. Whole next episode, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There we go, next episode. Um, but um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's the comfort level of how you feel. So and it's more about what they're doing than necessarily the time. Because if you look at today's workforce, right, people will spend eight hours online working. And we consider that as productive use of technology, where mm-hmm. someone spends eight hours a day just consuming, binging media, you know, 
what Darren calls uh, the other white hat on our team, he loves calling it bubblegum for the brain, right? If you're sitting there, you're just consuming, consuming, consuming. But if you're someone and you're using technology to create, if you're making those iMovie videos, if you're making YouTube videos, if you're making animation videos, we met a, a young man, uh, a teen now, who was making animated Lego movies, like Lego videos on his YouTube mm -hmm. page. And now apparent, apparently some executives from the, the people who make Lego movies are very interested in what no. this young individual is doing on their YouTube channel yeah. and the quality of what they're doing. And that's their passion. That's their focus. And they have a mm -hmm. clear job perspective in the future. So, mm -hmm. I mean, so what if they're spending eight hours a day, but they're creating and mm -hmm. Even when, even when we look at like online gamers, again, people will, will, will criticize how much time you play online gaming and, and they will criticize the usage of online professional gamers because that's a whole industry now. But mm -hmm. if you look at the top, some of the top online video game players, either professional leagues or streamers, many of them you don't see off camera, but they have very strict eating regiments, workout regiments, because to be at the top level of gaming you have to be mentally physically more superior mm -hmm. than your component so mm -hmm. uh these are all things that we got to bring into context so right. it's it's more like training like an athlete is training right even though they're on the computer but they, they can't just sit on the computer for the other hours they're not gaming because they're not working those mental muscles in the in the physical body too precisely but we are also as as individuals um we have to face the reality that a lot of these social networks, games are being designed to keep our attention because especially in online free mm -hmm. platforms, I think we're on Facebook, right? Gotta be careful. Mm -hmm. Yes, we are. <laughs> right? We are on Facebook. These social yeah. platforms are designed and they hire psychologists who study human behavior and figuring out because the longer I can keep you on my free social network means I can push you more ads, which means more revenue for me. So we have to also keep in mind, it's not necessarily the technology, it's also the intention of those social networks and corporations that right. make this media for us. So really, is it the tech or is it the organizations that are manipulating the tech to affect us? So we have to take all those into consideration. Mm -hmm. Can't just blame Facebook. <laughs> Sorry, Facebook. Facebook's the easy one. <laughs> Don't cancel us, right? Yeah. Right. Oh, that's interesting. So as schools maybe been online more, what are some great things that you've seen like that, that parents can really like help their kids um, with uh, as far as the technology goes now that they're having to do some schoolwork online. Any suggestions for ways to, to monitor this and manage this? Most schools, in our experience, have built up their own kind of platforms, either using the mm -hmm. Zoom's education platform or other platforms. So when a student uses technology to connect into the classroom, most schools have their mm -hmm. own kind of siloed, uh, protected, private environments. So in mm -hmm. that perspective, I don't have a whole lot of uh, concern with, because usually in that perspective, the teacher has access to it, everything the students are doing. And actually, mm -hmm. uh, when, when this whole working from home, studying from home happened, uh, many students were, uh, were playing with the, the chat feature in Zoom, you know, saying mm -hmm. maybe not so nice things or derogatory things or some crude jokes about the presenter, uh, not realizing that actually in the, in, the in the Zoom corporate account, the account holder can see all the chat, even though it's a private chat. And I think mm -hmm. that kind of segues into what we teach with kids is that nothing you do online truly ever is 100% private. 
private. And, and, and that, that's just a good example from recently is, you know, the Zoom people thought it was private. No, not really. Right. Not super private. <laughs> yeah, I, re- I was on a Zoom call early in the pandemic in, in March or April, and there was someone came on and hacked the call and took over from the presenter, was just saying horrible things about the presenter, and we couldn't get them off. <laughs> and I was the next presenter in line, and I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> so they had to shut it down and then open anyone. And now it seems to be a lot more, like, secure. <laughs> They've added some more secure features. Yeah, and they made, and they made it more, uh, more easier to, to set up the settings to lock it down right mm-hmm. and people have now realized you know yeah you gotta, you gotta lock it lock the session make sure you add people in manually and then close the session once people everyone's in mm-hmm. but it was a learning curve and i mean zoom i mean credit to zoom i mean they, totally. they, they weren't prepared for this i mean oh. uh, no way were they prepared and they they were criticized for all kinds of security issues that they had when they first started yeah. but now uh they've basically focus entirely on improving their security. So, I mean, kudos yeah. to Zoom on, on how they're yeah. uh, handling all this. Yeah, I wish about stocks in January, Zoom. <laughs> I know. Oh. I've been using Zoom for six, like three or three years already, I guess. <laughs> Darn. Zoom I mean, was smart, right? I mean, you can use Zoom on any platform where you're looking at Skype, you have to download an application, FaceTime, mm-hmm. you're only limited to Apple devices. So, I mean, like Zoom, Zoom was smart in how they how they position themselves to be the platform because any platform can use it. Yeah, that's great. I love it. So um, any last bit of advice for our parents out there? So we're battling technology. We should maybe look at it as not battling technology. We are (laughs) embracing technology with our kids. We're learning alongside our kids. Any of your guys' courses or your webinars you suggest for parents with kids in elementary school or high school that we should connect with you uh, to watch? Yeah. So uh, we do a bunch of webinars. We have premium ones and we do uh, free ones and we usually Mm -hmm. alter them every week. So on our website, thewhitehatter.ca, that's our website. And that has all of our webinars that are coming up for the public to access. But we also have our uh, Facebook page, which we try and uh, post relevant articles for families. Uh, Our YouTube channel, we do interviews kind of like this with experts Mm -hmm. in the field. And we also uh, do weekly video summary news reports. So every Mm -hmm. week, usually on Monday, we talk about all the security and privacy issues for families that could impact you. And that's mm-hmm. on YouTube. It's free, costs you nothing. Uh, we have our newsletter, our blog. I mean, we love giving resources. <laughs> that's what we love doing. So, I mean, uh, the whitehatter.ca is our kind of our landing page for where you can find all those resources. But if I were to leave with your audience one thing, I think, yeah, definitely embrace technology, but also don't chase the apps where we have a lot of parents who will message us asking, hey, what's the most dangerous, worst app out there? And reality is there isn't any one necessarily evil, bad app. Like mm-hmm. anything, you could use email for good or bad. And when email first started, we saw people using email for not so good things. So it's mm-hmm. not the app, it's how the app is being used. And you, your experience as an individual, a parent who was once a young person, use your experience. And if your child's doing something that gives you concern, investigate. It's not the app, it's how it's being used. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges we face. People want to paint that an app as in a bad color. Like that's the bad app, avoid that app. Well, I mean, people talk about TikTok being a bad app. And I mean, I see some pretty awesome, cool things on TikTok, Mm -hmm. but it has some concerns like anything else. And it's a balance. 
and it's about monitoring, supervising, and if necessary, filtering uh, if you think that is a good tool for your particular family. Yeah, and, and I think I think at the bottom line, like the most important thing is having an open conversations about things so that kids don't feel like they need to hide things or they don't need to be, you know, have an open conversation about what they're doing online, what's what's safe, what's great, what's not, and set those kind of boundaries and guidelines as a family. I think that the communication above all is probably a good, good place to start, right? It's always, we're, depending, it can be, you could have all the technology in the world at the basic level, we are still all human, and there's still that human mm-hmm. element in everything we do online, be mm-hmm. it you as a parent going online or your child going online. If you get that sense, you get that tingling feeling that something's not quite right, mm-hmm. investigate and use your experience to investigate. And then you can, you know, you're, you're the parent, and you can choose mm-hmm. to limit, to investigate, to access if you so choose. As the parent, mm-hmm. you have that right. And I think, you know, not treating technology like candy is really important. Don't Mm -hmm. give it and have free range, you know, have that scaffolding in place, have rules, policy, Mm -hmm. go to bed at this time, no tech at this time. You know, it's, you know, you think it's common sense, but, you know, people are struggling with this all around the world. Totally. That's why you have a job. You did such a great job at it. Thank you so much for sharing all your brilliance with us today. Um, it's been really great to kind of just learn, uh, learn along with you what you're what you're finding out there. Uh, one of the things I wanted to uh, leave our our audience with, like, where can we find out? So, if we were talking about, like, if looking and seeing if there's something we're concerned about, what is the next? step in that like if we do find something we're concerned about do we who do we contact in in a case of something we're concerned about yeah i mean we're definitely a resource i mean we're not a a 24 7 helpline or anything uh we actually we actually do have uh we call our white hatter app it's more so for teens uh but parents can use it as well Mm -hmm. it's it's a collection of all kinds of resources uh that you can connect Mm -hmm. to instead of trying to find one on google we have links to them all within our app and it's free on the uh Google Play Store and Apple App Store. Um, Facebook, uh, a lot of parents ask us questions on Facebook. Mm-hmm. We also have a webinar once a month of a Q&A open session where people can ask us questions, anything they want. Uh, email, definitely. Um, yeah, you ask us questions. If we don't know an answer, we can probably point someone to an area where they might know a better answer than we do because we have a whole network of other experts who want to keep Amazing. Yes, plug into these guys' community uh, parents out there. I think they've built an amazing resource for us uh, with all the webinars and all this. the free information and paid information is great. So thank you so much, Brandon, for being with us today. I'm sure we'll have you back again because we, I think we've just barely scratched the surface. There's, There's so lot. many other topics we could talk about. <laughs> and uh, I need to, some help navigating the teens and preteens. So we'll, we'll be back again. <laughs> but Sounds thank great. you so much, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, thanks for being with us today. And blissful parents out there, see you again next week, 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, uh, next Friday, right here on the Blissful Parenting page. Until next time, be safe out there. Thank you for listening to the Blissful Parent Podcast. For complete transcriptions of this show, as well as helpful links to resources mentioned in this episode, please visit our website at theblissfulparent.com.